Let's get ready to jerk the curtain! Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. See you later, Mr. Sacco. What it is is what it is. Rest in peace. Is the best there was or the best there ever will be. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Jerk the Curtain podcast, a rush of madness and mania. This is your host with the most, TJ Bowser, and joining me, as always, is my tag team partner, the Mid-South maniac, Corey Kaufman. Hello, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen. (laughs) I'd take my glasses off for that one. That was intense. That was intense. Was that a Val Venus thing? (laughs) Yes, I I have. I... I practiced it just for this show. Speaking of butts and Valvinas and sexual attitude era innuendos, did you see Billy Gunn's back? The ass man. It was funny because he did, he was in a battle royale and a uh, Sonny Kiss, the uh, the African American homosexual AEW wrestler with the butt <laughs> implants. In the middle of the match, he turns around and starts twerking. And Billy looks and starts staring at his ass and goes to turn around and he gets thrown over the top rope and Billy turns around and is like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. But everyone oh, got it. The pop when they shook its ass, when like when Sonny yeah. shook its ass, it was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you looked, you're in trouble now. <laughs> But anyway, Jesus. it's it's great to be back, jerk offs. Yes, I mean, yes. Oh, we are finally back, and uh, this is going to be good. And we got a different one for you. It's not a retro. It's not a throwback. It's actually quite modern, but it's a match that's been kicked around the internet a lot, getting a lot of heat recently. Uh, and that's AEW uh, John Moxley versus Omega at AEW Full Gear. But before we get to that, slice of life, Kaufman, what have you been up to, man? Here, okay, so when was the last time we had an episode, TJ? About two months ago. <laughs> Do you have an exact date? It would be that day that you said, probably September. Okay, yeah, I got married since <laughs> <laughs> So if anyone wants to know why we haven't been on air, they'll be like, oh, well, okay, Mr. Mid-South Maniac, he's been on some honeymoon. No, we put all our money into the wedding, so we won't have a honeymoon for at least another five to ten. So... Uh, no, man. Uh, got married October 26, 2019. Mm-hmm. Was it like 1.15 in the afternoon? Oh, wow. Nice wet day in Joliet, <laughs> Illinois, just south of Chicago at the biggest fucking theater I've ever been in in my life. And uh, it was awesome, dude. Like, we made such a theatrical statement with it. I don't care who was there, who wasn't there. We know who can make it, who couldn't make it. This has nothing to do with you, by the way. This is like, I'm talking about the family that said they would be there. Didn't show. TJ couldn't be there. That's okay, because we all know there was things going on. (laughs) It's all good. We still got, but we're going to figure all that out. Um, Yes. No, that's really it, man. Other than that, just like 
That and some, you know, we told ourselves we're not going to go back to Illinois for at least another eight months because that <laughs> took so much out of me, like, honestly. Um, but it's been good. Like, we did have to go back, like, two weeks later for her, uh, my wife. God, it's so weird saying that. My wife, uh, her, I hope you burn yourself. My, my wife, uh, her, uh, it's weird seeing you on camera. I'm going to tell you what, I got to feel like I put you through a child safety course. <laughs> so we had to go back up for another wedding two weeks after that, but I'm not going back to Illinois for a while. That's okay. There's plenty of shit to do down here. Memphis, Tennessee. Yes. Uh, such, such as, uh, was it next month? Is it next month? When does AEW come to my next month in South Haven? Yeah, well, it's weird because I also won tickets to SmackDown <laughs> so, on oh, the radio. God. So I'll go to both. I'll, I'll start some shit. It's okay. It's one way or the other. Um, but no, everything's been pretty kosher. Now I'm just gearing up for Thanksgiving's done. Um, still eating leftovers. Uh, Christmas is up on deck. Yes. So I got cool trees around me. We got trees in the back. Yeah, I like your, <laughs> I want a tree in my background. Yes. Um, like my tree that's out in the other that tree's badass. Yes. Hockey masks nice. for days. But no, that that's all mine. I, mean, I could talk for days about that. What, what have you been up to, T? Well, recently just finished the Indiegogo campaign for the film I've been running marketing on, The Hearts of Darkness, The Making of a Final Friday. There was some cool shit on that. There is. Uh, Corey and I tag team this motherfucker, and we blew it out of the park. It was a tremendous effort, and we raised money with a couple hours left. We raised uh, 51600 and some dollars, which was the final total. Before Indiegogo decided to make us an in-demand campaign, which allows us to raise as much money as we want. And then I took Jared from the Hall of Heroes and Do Back podcast, and we went and saw AEW Dynamite in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, in its first uh, television taping. And it was absolutely amazing. Uh, We had a really good time. We had really good seats. And it kind of reinvigorated my love for wrestling since then i haven't you know other than the fact that we started this podcast and i really started getting into it even more and more and more to the point where i watch every episode of impact wrestling uh every episode of nwa power and every episode of aew and aew dark so i'm i'm pretty i'd say my fandom has been reinvigorate reinvigorated 10 times what it was when we started this podcast and I'm, I've just been really getting into the swing of things, and I've I've really found it to be something to look forward to each week, and it's it's nice, it's really nice. But we're About just talking along. Corey and I have been uh, working stuff behind the scenes, and we're happy to finally be back. Though we missed you, jerk offs. We really did. I blame us for not but, being around. But we really can't be mad because even though we've been gone for two months, for some reason this podcast is the highest in the network. Punch of jerk off. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys for listening to us each week. Or well, they could listen to our episodes over and, and over, over and over, over and over. And it, I think it just—it's a matter of finding the episode that fits the bill for yes. them that day. Whether it's whether it's drunk tag team partner TJ, yes, or you know, adding a, you know whatever, it doesn't matter. You're gonna get through it, but it's okay. We're back. Yeah. Um, and here to stay. Don't worry. It's not like we just didn't, you know, like we got kicked off or something. And if we would got kicked off, we wouldn't be doing this right now. So, but we're back and we got, God, we got so much to go over. And we won't even, I mean, we'll touch on it today, but there's a lot over the next, uh, you know, few episodes. 
that we're going to be going over, whether it's AEW uh, and, you know, even diving back into some vintage stuff. Um, I don't know. I've been watching way too many documentaries. I just finished uh, the toys that made us the wrestling edition yes, on great. Netflix. That was fucking awesome. Yes. You know, I was like, it's just crazy to know that there was that much going on, but I'd love to do an episode on that. That was fun. Um, it's crazy how I the Monday night wars affected the toys so much. That's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And how toys affected so much in general, whether it was yes. movie driven or entertainment generator driven at all and what that can do to really dictate something in the form of physical entertainment, you know, toys. Yeah, exactly. And I still have some, so that's good. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's really cool. Like, again, we'll be filling you guys in and all the stuff that we've consumed since we've been gone, but without further ado, let's get into our match review for John Moxley versus Kenny Omega. So this match happened on November 9th, 2019 at AEW's pay-per-view Full Gear, and it was an unsanctioned, lights-out match. Well, what'd you think of it, Corey? <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> like, you know, I, all the talk, I really didn't know if they were going to pull out all the stops. I figured they'd try, and they did. So I was just like, okay, Um and then I was like, God, that's so me so much to go over. You know, it, it was it was really interesting to watch. And like I even after watching it, yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna pull up some of these highlights just to watch the intricacies of these highlights because there's a lot of they don't dwell on the 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 finishes or or the the what just happened so much. But when it did, I was like, damn, okay, I need to rewatch that and focus on that. And uh Man, there was some there was some cool shit to watch. Now, you know, I will tell you up front, it was it a spot fest? Yeah. Yes. But it's one of those instances where all the spots in conjunction with each other worked perfectly. So although it was a spot fest, I mean they're all like, oh shit, here goes another one. It, it, it just it worked for for what that was. It so. was garbage wrestling in its purest form. <laughs> And, and I use that I, term. Want to, I wanted you to say it. I didn't want to say it. Okay. And, I, and I'm not using gar- garbage wrestling in a derogatory way. Right. It's just the, the type of wrestling it was when it says unsanctioned lights out probably means some crazy shit's going to happen. And, and I'll just say the match started with a barbed wire baseball bat uh, and a barbed wire broom. Uh, what else do we got? If we uh, would have finished with some wood planks, bro. Yes. Uh, <laughs> a board covered in mouse traps, a gold chain, uh, the gold chain being wrapped around people's necks, a table spot, a glass spot, a power bombing glass spot, an ice pick to the forehead. I like that. A bed of barbed wire. <laughs> Going through the light fixtures on the Titantron. Uncovering the mat. <laughs> some crazy shit that is just absolutely absurd that whenever we dive deeper into it, it'll make much more sense. (laughs) I think that's a joke. Oh, so let's get into the intricacies here. So was the entrances hyped? Now, Omega has a very strange entrance as there's a lot Mm -hmm. of Titan Tron before he actually comes out. And Mm -hmm. not... People say he's overrated and stuff, but he's an, a terrific performer. He's an excellent conditioning shape, and he can really hit all those high spots in a match that you need him to. And he's a crowd favorite. Now, for Moxley, 
he's so aggressive. Like even like his all of his merch is aggressive. And the way he comes out is just like a fucking shotgun. He pops out of that tunnel and he's just fucking he's ready to come down and kill you. Like it's it's definitely a complete different wrestler than we what we've seen in uh WWE with Dean Ambrose. They really uh took the the bedsheet off of him and was like, "Okay, be yourself." What do you think? Dude, that's that's what's surreal is I didn't really know what kind of person he was. Like I didn't follow him too much before he was till he was on you know WWE and then I just thought, okay, it's not too crazy. And then the whole lunatic fringe, they're like, okay, it's borderline. It's I kind of seen this kind of stuff before the early nineties or the mid nineties, you know. But if this is how he truly is, man, it's you know, pretty freaking intense. Um but you know, he even said in a lot of what promo, well, not, hell, not promos and interviews like that's just that's what he wants. And I think you even stated at some point, you know, it's it's the reactions that he gets from the crowd. It ain't a cheering aspect. He doesn't want, he doesn't give two shits if they cheer or not. It's all like gasping and like, oh my god. Like, he said he likes the oh, awkward tension in the air that he creates. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he feeds off of it, and uh, a lot and can, a lot can go back to his CZW days. Yeah. And CZW is just like ECW Jr. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I think that's the best way to describe it. It was it was in Philly. It was in some shorty some side ah, fuck my ass. It was in some sort of like shitty building in Philly and they did nothing but garbage wrestling. ECW Jr. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And that's what he was primarily there. What do you think of Omega's entrance? Oh, may, I mean, oh, did, did we just discuss Moxley's entrance? Yeah, you just kind of touched on his. I, I briefly. Well, no, well, real quick about that. I just I thought it was funny him coming through the crowd this time. Yeah. Where they said he was doing it, you know, like, oh, because he don't want to be caught off guard. And I was like, you coming through the man? I was like, okay, where are the rest of your boys at? I said, are, are we doing this? Are we going to yeah. shield this? Where's the right elite at? <laughs> like, I know, but you know, there's a bunch of fanboys going, oh shit, it's the Shields, man. Like, you know, that probably went through someone's head just yeah. to get a reaction. Um, Omega's was cool. Yeah, Omega with all his, I call it Power Ranger moves and yes. then Pyro, you know, and, and it, it's, I don't understand. Like, it's like a mix between, and then say, I can't even say Nakamura. Like I don't know. He was just like he's been in Japan a lot. I get it. Yeah. Too much, and then it's like boom fireworks, and then people are going nuts. And he's like, I like how you I say you've been in Japan a lot. I get it. <laughs> I'm not gonna question it. Yeah. So it's cool. Whatever. If it's what you like to do, it's what you like to do. So, but uh, no, I thought you know uh, both entrances were. For the crowd, the crowd ate that shit up so much. Speaking so, of entrances, I mean, it, can we it, talk it about the biggest pop I've ever witnessed? DDP coming yeah. out in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? <laughs> like, you know, if you guys watched that episode of Dynamite when they were in Pittsburgh, whenever fucking Jericho sits standing up in like the skybox with all the inner circle guys, aka NWO 2.0, uh, and he's up there every time Cody Rhodes talks, he's blowing the air horn. And then Jericho calls him out and Cody goes, unlike the other company we came from, I can come over this barrier and kick your ass. And Jericho's like, well, you don't got the people for it. So then MJF comes out. Uh, 
Dustin Rhodes comes out. So now there's three. And he's like, well, you're missing somebody. He's like, there's only three and there's four of us. And then you hear, it's me. It's D-D-P. And everybody throws a diamond cutter up and they're screaming. And he still does. You remember in WCW when DDP came out, he'd throw the diamond cutter up and his shirt would just come out, come off his, and you'd see his belly a little bit. And then he did oh, yeah. that little bouncy thing. He did it. He he does that like all the time still. Like it's still. Well, the, the thing is, when he throws that shit up, dude, his back arch is like a fucking cat, dude. He's yeah. like, like, he can touch the, t- <laughs> is the, he is heels. He's like, look at this. I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> But that one had, had by far was one of the biggest pops I have ever witnessed, and, yeah. the, and it, it was absurd. And in, that was incredible for Pittsburgh because normally they have a dead crowd. So this was insane. And I ever been to a show where you chant the promotion's name so much in a night? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's very true. Uh, did the match could have good flow? I'd have to say it really did. But like you said, it was a spot fest. Yeah. It was, I'm going to beat the shit out of you. You're going to sell the shit out of it. And then we're going to do something crazy. Like, oh, kind of running kick. Here's the move. Then just like table smash. And then I'm going to bounce you off the ropes. Trash can to the head. You know, it was just, it, yeah, I mean, it was a spot fest, but like I said, it it, it worked. That didn't always happen. You know, some of these matches, they're just, well, we're going to run a few spots. Hopefully that works. You yeah, know, this was it was, that was along the same lines of the film we uh, not the film, but the match we did with uh, at Fighter Fest. Yeah, which we'll get to later. <laughs> Could you believe that was six months ago? Uh, no, it was. It was uh, wow. six months ago. Okay, that's fucking crazy. I didn't know that. <laughs> six months ago. Uh, well, I we've been talked. gone for what feels like a year. Yeah. So, yeah. so continue on. Did the match have good flow? I already kind of touched on it, but yeah. It did. Was the match believable? See, I I would say yes, but they sold the fuck out of some of these bumps. Oh, like, yeah. yeah. But they were doing I mean, some crazy shit. Yeah, it's believable too. It's just I think what for me was hard to believe is like, I guess I've never been I had the shit beat out of me that much. So I don't know how I'd react. I mean, I think I'd lay there for a while. They were popping back up and taking more. So that's the that's the only part. Like I get it for the flow, it needs to be there, but like yeah. You know what would make shit more believable? If you got knocked the fuck out and had to take a while to like get your breath. Like these guys were back up and like, I'm going to take another one in the mouth. Okay, yeah. go for it. It's crazy. What weapon know? can I find out of the ring? Like, <laughs> Well, it's really funny when they're searching on the ring, they find it. They're like, I don't want that one. Or this one, not yet. <laughs> Just pull everything out at this point. Also, like, uh, you saw Moxley give Omega the, the header into the glass table, right? Yeah. Well, uh, you mean from dynamite like the weeks before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. beforehand. Yeah. So yes. the glass he brings out, do you think that's the same glass? <laughs> yeah, emulsified. That shit was like powdered sugar, bro. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you see all the dust flying out. I, mean, I like how they spun it that. Way. Um, don't yeah. get me wrong, but I was like. Well, it's easier to fall on little diamonds than it is like giant pointy shards. Yeah. You know? So I was like, <laughs> it's like, it's okay. I pounded it into powder a little bit. It should taste better. It'll flow through your system a little bit. Uh, no, I thought that was, I, I get it. But, you know, it, it took the announcers to be like, oh, we know where this is from. I'm like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, <laughs> favorite moment of the match for you? For me? 
<sighs> Honestly, I think I, there was a lot of cool ones, but I it was when uh, oh god, I'm gonna forget what the. Let me think of I'm I'm so terrible with what this movie's called because it was it was that front flip almost like a a Samoan drop not a Samoan well almost like a Samoan drop but he did it like front wise and he popped up and jumped on the turnbuckle where the trash can was picked up the trash can oh. did a backflip and I was like well that sequence worked out great. <laughs> I was like damn I wasn't ready for that like so he had him up on his shoulders you know. You remember that part? Oh, yes. He kind of like chucks him down and then he takes the trash can and like holds it to his yeah, chest. Yeah, so he does like he has him up here. Right? Yeah, like the people hear me. He's going to. So he has him up on his shoulders. There's a front flip into like almost an inverted Samoan. Pops. That was weird. Pops up and then just does. I was like, oh shit. Okay. Like that was really fucking cool. And he hits him so. with the trash can on the way down. Like fucking right. <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, okay, well, that's that's my. Fa- I mean, there was another cool spot, but I just that whole little short sequencing of that was. I was like, that fit pretty well. I and, love and that. remember, that this was uh, the match that finished off the pay per view. Like this topped the Jericho Cody Rhodes main event. Yeah. So like this was the perfect way. And it, how long was this match? Twenty minutes. Uh, I don't remember. It or felt was it like longer? 20, 20 I don't know. I thought it was 23. It's past 20 minutes. That's all I can say. Yeah. Yeah. So my favorite moment of the match. Oh, I like the mousetraps. But I also like like when uh, he's running up the fucking ramp and he like jumps on his back and takes the ice pick and just digs it into his fucking forehead and then just drags it across. (laughs) So I like that part (laughs) because it's so fucking out of the ordinary. But I like uh, Moxley. I, okay, so I'm not. I want to say that that was my second favorite, but my first was the bed of barbed wire. I knew you were gonna say. Yeah, that's why I was like, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that, I figured you were gonna say that. Yeah, because that was pretty. Because Kenny pretty tried obvious. to do the finish, and then Moxley was like, "No, you're not doing this." Well, I like that, and then the fact that like when they do that stuff with barbed wire, man, they you know when their body starts going to that that ma- that minor shock, and they just start like tweaking out. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I want to get them off that bed of barbed wire. It's okay <laughs> though. I'm, I know that we douse that whole thing in alcohol beforehand to make sure it's sterile. <laughs> Did we? No, I don't know. No, that's yeah, that's the definitely that's definitely what I thought. You were going with that. So. And I love how, like, whenever they bring it out, there was, like, a little fight on whether they were going to do it or not. Because, like, you could tell. Yeah, like, yeah, this is a little much. I, mean, <laughs> I don't know if Even while it was happening, they're like, ah, I don't know why we did this. Like, and that's the thing that uh, Cor- uh, Corey and I were talking about uh, pre-show is how good AEW blurs the lines before, be- like, between reality and kayfabe. Because it's so hard to tell some of this shit. It's they do a good job, but my favorite moment of the match is the barbed wire. Is it a suplex into the barbed wire? Um, it. I want to say it's a suplex. Hold on, because they both end up laying I'm down. Well, it was wasn't it supposed to be something else? Because like it was, to, it was supposed to be. Yeah, it's just a, finisher. It's just a, but yeah, it's just a it's just a standard suplex. Okay, well, it's fucking intense. Shittiest moment of the match. Um, that's a hard one. I don't. It depends. Like, 
Because everything, even if you think something shitty, they turn it into something else. I mean, I mean, because like I get tired of all the like over theatrics of getting thrown over the barricade. But if you can turn that into some cool shit, which they did, you yeah, know, throwing them off of this and bounces off and backflips onto that, you know, Omega's all over the place. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can't really pick a, a shit. Okay, shittiest moment part. is. Anytime Omega does that stupid Power Ranger stance in the middle of the fucking ring to get himself hyped up. Mm, good point. Okay. <laughs> Again, he must have been in Japan too long. <laughs> uh, so is that what we're going to say is the shittiest moment? Yes. Okay. Yeah, his Power Power Ranger pose. <laughs> a, uh, see, I'd say a finisher count, but we literally okay. have to watch the match and put tick marks down. Man, it, completed finishers or... I, Dude, that was so hard. But I think, like, I think I tried to count yesterday, last night, and I was like, you know what? The no, only finisher that counted with all the other cool shit. The only finisher that counted was the paradigm shift on the on the wood, right? Which led to Omega having a real black eye. <laughs> it happens. <laughs> it happens. Oh, so moving on from a finisher count, since we don't have one, was there any blood? Of course, there was. Of course there was. If there was any reason to not have blood. Well, how about this? Was there any non-cut blood? Okay, so (laughs) this happened in what, Baltimore? Yeah. So their board, like sports board, is bitching and complaining because they're accusing AEW of blading. For you... uh, Noobs out there, blading is when you pre-cut yourself so you would bleed during a wrestling match, which has been since outlawed, which is a no-go, as it was overused in the Attitude Era. So, now, you can say that there was blading, but if you factor in all the bullshit and all the things that they had thrown against their bodies and drug across their bodies over the course of this match, it's totally believable Glass, mouse traps, barbed wire, ice picks, tables, chairs, the kitchen sink. Like, come on. Everything was hit, was thrown at these people, hitting them left and right. I think if there was blood, which there was, that it was legit. What do you think, Corey? Yeah, I mean, in this kind of match, <clears throat> there's no need to, to blame. <laughs> I mean, it's. You know, it's different if you got like one spot, you're like, well, I got to make sure we bleed. No, everything was a spot here. Everything involved more than their hands. So at one point you're like, yeah, I'm probably going to be a blader, you know. Um, But just so people know, I mean, basically the statement was uh, the violent nature of the match garnered a polarizing response from viewers and now has the attention of the Maryland State Athletic Commission. (laughs) So it's like, it's just funny, though. I mean, because, you know, they're contacted because of the rules. So you got, like, uh, regarding the use of blading, the continuation of a match if one of the performers begins to bleed and whether or not there was a doctor in attendance at the pay-per-view. And those are the questions that are being asked. But uh, no one's answering those questions yet. But, um, <laughs> AEW has a full-time uh, doctor on staff. Right, and that's what I'm just like – but, you know, the Maryland State Athletic Commission hasn't really commented yet, but I think it's just kind of fizzle out. I think now, what's the source on that? Report. What's the website? Uh, that was the discussion. Is it a wrestling that website? Is, that's uh, 
whatever cbr.com is that's just one of those okay so what i noticed is there is some fake news wrestling websites that like to that are either pro or again like they're either pro aew or pro wwe so much like yeah this this website was just discussing the points that was brought up yeah this was this was at the end of november so i saw a website the other day that said that aew dynamites were uh aren't getting crowds and they posted a picture of while they were setting up and said that, that the stands were empty. Meanwhile, <laughs> the show was sold out. <laughs> you know, they, they even claim this about the Pittsburgh date is that a, the AEW has been lying about their attendance when I was there. And I had an argument with a guy. He's like, there was barely anyone there. I was like, I was there. He's like, there was a whole section. I said that section was reserved for cameras. Like, <laughs> well that's that's the thing and a lot of people don't understand that is like you know i go to the i've been to these i've been to house shows i've been to some i've never really been to like pay-per-views necessarily which that's never the case but um even the standard tv shows that that wwe does i mean there's instances sometimes where they have to move because of how the camera angles are but yeah i mean you got a bunch of cameras on one side no one can fucking sit down there they black that out so they can have the camera angles and movement needed but there are instances, you know, I've been to some SmackDown shows where they're like having to move people like, we'll give you better seats going that side. And I think a lot know? of problem so with that is, is that WWE has started booking bigger and bigger arenas. That's exactly it. Because, well, it's not just that they've been booking bigger arenas. They've been booking the same arenas for the last 20 years. And when you got popularity shift. Yeah. And you're still booking these bigger venues. Like, example, Memphis, Tennessee, the FedEx Forum. They don't wrestle at Coliseum like they used to and all that anymore. They've been wrestling in the forum for like the last 10 years. And that's the thing. It's it that's it's borderline pay-per-view like Side. stronghold. And you're trying to run a standard you know, weekly show. I and mean, AEW it, it is a route of uh like colleges, like college stadiums. Yeah. Which has slow, lower attendance, which is easier to sell out, which looks better for A stockholders and B for ratings because if i'm gonna watch a tv show if it says coming from a sold out crowd and da 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 something's cool's happening there's a reason why it's sold out like that's gonna make oh, me want to watch it no and let's talk I, that, about- and i'll tell you what that shit right there is you know when i hear that I, the, I feel like the last time i ever heard that for like a standard show was wcw WCW man, just Tony Schiavone being like, "Oh, from a sold out crowd," and and we hear that, you know? and we can still hear that with AEW with Tony yeah. Schiavone, <laughs> with DDP. What a coincidence! <laughs> On <laughs> no, TNT, and yeah, and it, and, but it, it made sense, and like those were pay per view sized crowds in the nineties, dude, at house shows for Monday Nitro. Why? Because NWO was going to show up. That's why I said. Even no, for Thunder. It. Yeah. Even Thunder shows were sold out there. Yeah. That's it. And it's crazy. So moving on. Was there any match interference? No, there wasn't. Because I don't really think this was one of those matches. Assistance. Assistance. Okay. Prop assistance. Prop <laughs> assistance. There we go. Okay. We won't say interference, but there was definitely assistance from the elite. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't really like, okay, when we say assistance, he kind of like forced them. <laughs> well, and, 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 that, and when, I, when I say interference, I mean, the interference for me has to turn the match one way or the other. It didn't really turn it. 
Just give them something else to put yeah. their bodies Interference would be uh, one of the young bucks coming out and grabbing Moxley's foot. Like, and it didn't happen. Yeah, it didn't happen. This isn't Jake Hager, Chris Jericho. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they rely on that a lot in AEW. Like the whole guy accompanying to the ring interference. But it works. It, and it works if you're you- how many but how many wrestling events have you watched lately where everything's like a clean win or a clean loss? Like it's always that's true. Like when I see that, I'm like, that never happened. There was supposed to be something that happened that changed the tide of this match, other than just pure wrestling aesthetic. But you know, when you do see that, hey, it's still cool. Was the crowd fired up? Oh my god, yes. this crowd was ready for this match. <laughs> Gas in the water, bro. Gas in the water. They were on fire. They liked it. So wasn't this match... Wait, this match was supposed to happen before, correct? And then Moxley got the staff... Oh, match yeah. That's, yeah, that yeah, that changed the course of everything. And that's what... You know what dictated all the... Chris Jericho winning the title shit? Yes. A lot of that. Yes. Had, it, it just... It fucked up a lot of stuff. And then Luchasaurus got hurt not too long. And... Uh, Oh, dude. Have you seen him wrestle yet? Uh, yes, I just I can't get over the name. Oh, like okay. I know that I I know and the reason I know about him is because of the uh the maker that helps him with his mask. Oh, you know that guy? Well, I know I mean I know of his work, so like, uh, I follow that's how I was able to follow him is based on his uh I'm like, oh cool. Speaking of mask makers, you want to take an opportunity to oh, shout out yeah. our friend who makes wrestling masks? Oh man, Labotti. Labotti Studios. Yes, Michael Labotti Studios. He man. makes Kane masks. All oh. dude, he may do all of it, like Mankind, Kane, you know, <laughs> and then uh, who's that weird? Oh, guy Bray Wyatt, Mister Bray Wyatt. He got his own team. WWE title, like a custom one. Well, and that's what's funny because uh, on a side note, I seen that Labotti was working on those masks. He works on them flat. I'm like, well, fuck it, just make a title now, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the title. Trust me. It's like, okay, I'm going to put my face on the face, whatever. But I think he should. We need to bring, we need to bring him on this show. Yes. You know what? It's cool. The thing is about the cane masks. Like he's literally just done them all real quick. And I'm like, what? And they're 10 times better than anything that's out there. You know, and I can't, I can vouch from what I'm seeing. I don't own one yet, but I'm pretty damn. I'd like to buy everything from the 90s. 100% leather. Yeah, and the Kane Master just dude, they're on point. And the Mankind Mask is legit. He needs to do a he needs to do an Undertaker one. Remember what Taker wore his weird mask for a while? Yes. It was like gray. And I've actually brought up Might as well uh, add that to the list. I told him I said you should do a Luchasaurus and you should do uh another one. I can't remember what the hell the, the other one was. Absolutely, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, I'd, I'd be up for that. I, I think that's really cool, and I hope that I can purchase it. But it's just seeing that nostalgicness to it. I'm, God, that brings back so many. A guy that I'd owns like the original Kane Survivor Series mask said that Labotti's is the closest he's seen. Oh, easily, yeah. yeah. Not even a question. So, moving on <laughs> from that sidebar, had to do it, had, had to, to do be it. done. Was the match outcome fair? I'd have to say with everything that happened and the way it ended that it was more than fair. Yes, absolutely. That that the spot, and if you guys didn't watch the match, uh, it ended with Moxley cutting. How would you explain that? Cutting the ring apron and pulling up all the padding to reveal the boards underneath. Yeah. And then he pulled it to the side 
and then did a paradigm shift, which is a double du- double. Oh, tell me if I'm saying this right. A double overarm DDT. Yes. Okay. Uh, so that's face first into the wood, which gave uh, Kenny a black eye. And that was terrific because as soon as it fucking hit, it was just boom, pin over. It was so perfect. Like, I loved it. No, it was neat. And it was, it was really neat because, you know, you've seen that before, but they, they really sold it. It's like, oh, we've never seen this before. But it's still cool to see. I mean, he literally pulled up almost half the. Yeah. And, and, and uh, but it's really cool to see that as a fan um, and for fans to see that because that didn't happen often. So when it does, oh, shit, that wasn't like a. A memory foam mattress underneath the ring? Like, no, I don't. And the only other time that you would have seen that other than uh, an NXT taping would have been Impact Wrestling. Bubba Ray did that. Yeah. But of course, it's fucking Bubba Ray. Or do they call him an Impact Brother Ray? Yeah. I lost track of Ray. I don't know. (laughs) He actually has his own (laughs) podcast now. Oh, really? Yes. Well, he would surely come on ours, I'm sure. (laughs) I think the... the most uh, success we would have is having Tommy Dreamer come on, as I've had interactions with him. We'll make it happen, Cam. He does the House of Hardcore podcast, and I've, you know, that funny photo I sent you of Tommy Dreamer posing naked with the ECW. Oh player. yeah, I remember that one. I yeah, posted that on Instagram, and he reposted it. <laughs> uh, but he's like, I can't wait to make these for the holidays again. <laughs> I think I captioned it the stud of hardcore. <laughs> it was great. So uh, let's give this one a match rating. You go first. I'd have to say uh, uh, 4.25. <laughs> That's so random. <laughs> God, what are you through these freaking decimals? How about... Uh, Are we, do we have to do them in quarters? I really don't want to screw this up. Like it's like, oh, I'm thinking like four point four five. Like no, like four point five. I I really enjoyed it. Okay, so like four point four three. It's you know, it's, like it's, it's a four point four. Jerk the curtains. Uh, <laughs> it's a good match. Okay. Yeah. It's a good match, and the only reason it's not getting a perfect five is because it was garbage wrestling. And it, exactly, and it, it wasn't. Was it, it was. It was entertainment. Yes. You know. So, but it, maybe if they had a few more Power Ranger moves in there. Yes, and more chain wrestling more. because we love chain wrestling. <laughs> Where the hell do you get a gold chain that big? <laughs> I want one. Right. Huge. <laughs> Junkyard dog would love it. Like. <laughs> yeah, he was all about the silver, man. He liked the chromatic look. I'm yeah. talking like straight up. Gold chain. Everyone's oh, like, maybe oh, they took that like from a... uh, Dustin Rhodes from like old, like that's an old WWE prop. I guess. That's gold <laughs> plate, I, was, I was excited to see it. So after that, uh, John Moxley kind of went on a rampage and he's been taking down people ever since. So he ocean, he uh, issued an open ocean. He oceaned an open challenge. Six months ago, I declared war. On anybody in AEW who wanted to stand in my way. And nothing's changed through every obstacle, with every setback, with every new scar on my body. I continue to move forward, blazing a trail to the top of the hill until I am the last man standing. I'm a wildfire burning across the countryside. I am napalm death. I will get you eventually. Most people 
We'll sit and wait and look over their shoulder and say their prayers and hope the inevitable never comes, but I wonder if there's anybody else out there that wants to get me before I get them. The kind of person that they'll call crazy, reckless. The kind of person they'll say has a death wish. This is a call to arms for anybody who wants to step up and be a hero, be a hero, or get seriously, seriously hurt trying. The fucking breathing. That guy is a fucking promo god. <laughs> I am Napalm Death. <laughs> no argument, man. Crazy. Oh, it's it's so good. So Darby Allen uh, accepted that challenge shortly after, right? Uh, well, mm-hmm. he, he accepted the challenge the week before. And he got his ass fucking handed to him. He came down with a body bag and it had spray painted on the back mocks and it accompanied with it came with a like a really cool vignette all for Moxley to just fucking wreck him just completely shit all over that little Darby Allen. Now they're very similar wrestlers, but Moxley is a fucking Goliath compared to Darby and it it doesn't matter. Moxley's being used to his most potential and the push that this guy has. Let's just be honest. Darby Allen was just another body for him to, st- to, to, to like fucking crush. And it, it, and the thing is, is that I've I've seen like really good matches from Moxley since he's come to AEW, but very few have really caught our attention. But at the end of Dynamite, after this promo aired, Moxley showed up at the end of Jericho's match with Scorpio Sky in the crowd. Go figure, Kaufman, and just stared at Jericho. That's what I would have been. <laughs> because I think he's the number one contender as well. John Moxley is. Here's the thing. How if many of his now, ma- how yeah. many of his matches have been unsanctioned? Like <laughs> the guy can't have a 90%? match. Yeah. So yeah, he's a contender. And then another thing that bothers us here is that there's a thing going on with Joey Janela also. So he Oh, okay. So we're going to rewind, rewind, because this is a clusterfuck. So back at Fighter Fest, Corey and I did a match. That was a review of Moxley versus Joey Janela, which we enjoyed immensely. It was very similar to this, and it kind of focused around thumbtacks rather than glass. Uh, (laughs) So we watched that match. It was awesome. And then Janela kind of did his own thing and started feuding with Sean Spears. Now, the problem with him feuding with Sean Spears is that Sean Spears is a terrific mid-corner. Sean Spears and Janela's entire storyline was on AEW Dark or on a pay-per-view. The problem with that is is that every week listeners, well, watchers, aren't going to see that and aren't going to catch on. So Janela got mad, and he tweeted earlier this week. Didn't get on my flight for AEW Dynamite tonight. I'm not going. Nothing was addressed about the way I was eliminated from the match last week. He was in the Battle Royale and he got and uh, Sean interfered and he got thrown over. Okay, cool. You know what that meant to people who don't watch AEW Dark? Nothing. Nothing at all. Uh, I'm losing all the all the steam I created on my own through 14 years of hard work. Write these wrongs. Answer the phone. Then he deleted the fucking tweet. And you know what's funny? He was eliminated 
uh, during a commercial break. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Come back in the match. They don't know. Oh. So Janela got pissed, deleted that. And that's not where the story ends. So to tie this back in with John Moxley, Joey Janela doesn't go to Dynamite, shows up at a house show for Game Changer Wrestling, and accepts Moxley's open challenge at a different promotion. What are your thoughts on this, Kaufman? <laughs> now you're looking it up. Now you're looking it up. because No, I'm started. not looking it up. I'm trying <laughs> to figure out, like, not, trust me, I was, I, man. Um, God, that's so stupid. You can tell it's really just. Okay, and here's the thing. I'm just going to say this. Okay? I don't know. This is but, my feelings on it. Dude. And you can tell me if you agree. Okay, Joey Janela, mm. I'll, I'll speak to you directly. You've been wrestling for 14 years. You're known for one of the most dangerous spots in wrestling history, taking a header off a fucking building into a truck. Okay? Off off a tr- building into a truck. That is your most known spot. You are known for a garbage wrestler. Your 14 years hasn't been filled with, boy, this guy's a technical fucking god at wrestling. You're known for putting your body on the fucking line. Okay? When you are in a position where you have a TV deal with the second biggest wrestling promotion in the fucking world, you don't tweet shit like this. If this is kayfabe, good for you. But it's not because you deleted the tweet. Okay? Do not ruin the only chance at fame and fortune that you have. He, He posted a picture the other day that he lost 20 pounds. And he said he didn't do it because people are bitching. He did it for himself because he needs to make money. Okay, you know what a good way to not make money is? Is by running your mouth about the company that gave you your shot. Just going to say that. Gotham? Man, I don't know. I've never, yeah. I just, and see, okay, this this right here is what I think is going to end up starting to become... <clears throat> not issue driven with AEW, but just some of the talent pool. You know? Mostly indie uh, wrestlers. <laughs> yes. I mean, it, they've went on such a tangent to sign so many, you know, so many good names. I just hope they don't waste. And I have a feeling like that's, it's like, Hey, really? You kind of helped determine where you want to go with this. I don't yeah. think he even knows. Um, I just don't want it to negatively impact everything that AEW is trying to do. Cause I, I know there's like, there's at least four or five things AEW needs to concentrate on. And that's one of them because I think that can, it's what can make or break. Like they're doing a lot of good things, but mm-hmm. this is just one that in an instance, you're like, I just feel like he's going to end up just being shoved down solo mid Carter. It ain't going to matter. It's just, I just, but again, I mean, he's known for his, his high impact spots. I would think they try to use him in a better way, but I think they're maybe giving him too many avenues and he's just picking the wrong ones. I don't know. I know that sounds kind of weird and all over the place, but you know, it's, it's, it's to, you know, ensuring character development and then just making sure the talent that you have, that you push them. So you don't have any guys like this that are going to end up becoming, if there's not TV time, Carters, you know? if there's not TV time to explore your 
you know, your current push that you're getting, you know, accept it. If you, if it's only on AEW dark, make that push happen on AEW dark. You have creative control in this company. There's no writers in the back. There's no people that telling you that you have to read from the script, go out there and make a name for yourself. You have a shot, do it. And that's the thing. And as long as, as long as the mix is there too, you know, um, you know, finding the right mix of, not just promos to us, but back you know into the rest, and then he does that. It'll it'll help. But yeah, that's the thing is it's just making sure that you can make it all work. And yeah, if you got an opportunity, it doesn't really matter if it's on TV or not because someone's going to notice. People like us will bring it up. People that went to the event will bring it up. You know, and it's going to gain some traction. You can't just rely on TV time. And when you're not on TV, make it count. So then they're like, well, we got to put this damn guy back on TV. You know, as much as we so. That's just kind of an outside looking in, but that's just because I have, you know, so many things that I try to eyeball. I don't, I don't dive into it as much as you, AEW-wise, in terms of watching it and, and, yeah. and critiquing it. But from the outside looking in, that's I just don't want him to fall into one of those categories of just another another body and then his character development just go through, through the toilets. I agree. So there's two more things I want to touch on before we finish this glorious return episode of Jerk the Curtain. And the first thing would be the uh, Jim Cornette thing that just happened. Ah, oh, man. So <laughs> Jim Cornette resigned from NWA, which is fucking absurd. But the Dude, reason uh, he said he did it. He, he said he did it, though. Yeah. He arguably said one of the most racist things ever said on commentary but then again it's not so like he said the exact same thing about somebody else during the wcw days so is it jim Cornette's fault yes has the has snowflake society contributed to his downfall absolutely but in no way are me and Corey condoning what he said we're just Correct. saying that society definitely has affected this because, like I said, he ha- he ha- he has said this in the past, the exact same fucking thing. And the thing he said was was Trevor Murdoch, if you remember him from early two thousand wrestling. WWE. I can't believe he's still wrestling, but yes. <laughs> he said Trevor Murdoch is so tough, he will strap a bucket of fried chicken on his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Which is a very Jim Cornette thing to say. <laughs> and I almost well, that's the thing. It's so off the wall. It I is. Know, it's not even racist as much as it is talking about. And the way he said he's like, like and, and a man, Trevor Murdoch, you know, he's he's so goddamn tough. The man was strapping a, a bucket of fried chicken to his back and ride a motor scooter across Ethiopia. Like, that's how he said it. And see, and that's the thing. And I'm going to sound like an idiot, but it, I don't think it, it was like, oh, it's because, you know, like, it sounds more like, not coincidental, but like. I'm going to forget what the term is about like not the people, but of the position that a person or persons are in, you know, you just said uh, driving across a country full of very hungry people, you know, (laughs) it's just like, it's just connecting dots that aren't there, but it's, you're talking to a guy that, Man, I don't know because I think no matter how I try, I'm not trying to spin it saying it was right. I'm just no. saying like, if you could make that 
be offensive, then everything that's said is offensive. And he also said it on a live stream, so that probably doesn't help. No, but it like for someone to catch that back, mm, that ain't gonna work. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I get it, but not enough to fucking get a dude fired. And know? the repercussions, <laughs> the repercussions of this is, uh, I was told that the following week's episode of NWA Power was just a montage of previous episodes because they recorded the second episode with Jorm, like the the most recent episode yeah. with Tim Cornette, and they couldn't air it because. At this time, nobody wanted Jim Cornette because of the whole scandal. So did this fuck – did losing Jim Cornette on commentary fuck NWA before it even got started? <laughs> like that's the question that is presented. And only time I, tell. We this can't is answer. About, this, this is the only light that's ever going to be shit on it. Because the next day, the next day, Billy Corrigan announced a new part of NWA, which is like NXT. I would have never known. I, but it just goes, okay, they're rebuilding. They're in the rebuilding phases. So if you oh, didn't yeah. know, NWA was originally TNA. Then that split. TNA went to GC. What what was it? It was uh, fight. It was like some sort of network that they went to. And then they kind of, and now they're just impact. So NWA got abolished and became its own thing. But with Billy Corrigan, because at some point Billy Corrigan owned Impact, correct? Yes. And now he owns TNA. <laughs> yeah. No, now he owns NWA, and TNA is owned by the Axis Television. Yeah. So, okay. So, only time will tell what the future of NWA is, and they have a lot of good talent. It's just mm-hmm. what is the fallout going to be, and what are the repercussions going to be post Jim Cornette not being on the. The commentating team anymore. I don't know. I mean, I don't think it's going to affect it one way or the other, but I don't see it like rising up to some type of standard <laughs> at all. I mean, not that him being there or not being there, he, but that it just sucks because that that's you know that's just how he's always been. But it's you know wrong time, wrong place. You know, I get that. I mean, for his you know, it, he's he, he was only ever brought on for his humor and extensive knowledge of the period. Yeah. And his humor's been tacky and dumb since day one. Outdated. And yeah. And that's, you know, I mean, it's not like I go, but I mean, I'll tell you what, if I was him, I guess at this point, I just stick to doing commentary on DVDs and Blu rays. So, I mean, it's just like, I don't know. So uh, he's, just, he's just one of those voices in the industry. You're like, I don't know. It, you're used to hearing it. You, know, you 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 associate his voice with him and JR wrestling. Yep. Yep. Which AEW has. <laughs> yeah. So the final discussion topic will be: What does AEW have to do that WCW didn't do in order to stay alive? And I have one answer for this, and that's not poach wrestlers. And Corey will agree, as we did watch a lot of stuff back in the day and more modern stuff that kind of... I hate fucking poachers. I know. Explained this. So uh, a big reason. Now, WCW didn't go out because it wasn't doing well. Because the attendance and the ratings of the last couple uh, dynamite Not Dynamites. See, see, thank you, AEW. Nitros and uh, Thunders. The attendance and ratings were still really good. 
the thing is, is that they were hemorrhaging money because they kept buying up talent that they couldn't afford. They lost $60 million in their last year of operation because they were buying out WWF contracts at the time. You know what costs more money than hiring new talent? Hiring talent that's already established at another organization. Corey? Catches up with you. And see, that's the thing. That's what I was alluding to earlier is uh, just call it like five things that the AEW – and then I'm not, I'm not in any like place to tell AEW what to do. I'm just saying there's five lessons to be learned, <laughs> you know, if you're AEW. And, and you can associate with WCW, you can associate with WWE. Like, you know, uh, I mentioned the character, you know, ensure character development. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other one was, uh, is the one is don't sign too much talent only to waste them. That kind of, that's where this one kind of falls under. You know, you're like, ah, oh, we got to sign everyone that WWE can't hold on to. We got to sign all the top people this. It's like, look, Slow down because you start signing too much, you're going to do exactly what WCW did. Yep. And you're going to do exactly what WWE, EFF, whatever, whichever version of that you want to talk about. When they bought WCW, then they had too much damn talent. Yep. And you're like, how do we stretch this out? Then people went under the radar and everything else. Um, that's where that one falls under. And I will go ahead and tell you my other three. My other one, my other one for sure, and it involves um, some t- very talented wrestlers, um, is – they AEW needs to take a chance to prioritize their women's. Um, if I mean, if you're going to have the women on there and you're going to have them wrestling, don't it can't be a side gig bullshit job. You need to actually make it a predominant part. So of you're it. noticing that they're, they're prioritizing the tag team division more so than their women's division, right? Okay. Um, you know, another one find the right mix of the the promos and wrestling. You know, I. Wrestling is entertainment. I know it's more promo hit, or, but make sure the wrestling's there, even if it's garbage wrestling. You know, you know what? You know what helps? Give Rhodes, Jericho, and Moxley the mic more. That yeah, because they know yeah, and that's and and then, and then to circle back to what we just talked about is not only don't sign oversign to it, but is do not rely too heavily on the talent pool that you're trying to poach from. I don't care however you say it, because that's exactly what's been done. Because, you know, like AEW, if you look at their, other than Omega, and their top guys are for WWE talents, or guys are trying to push. I mean, not every, not all of them, not to get on anyone's ass about it, but um, don't make it to like, well, this is where all the WWE rejects go, which they're not, you know, they're not. There's there's still big talent. You know, you got to make, you know, push them right, and Would get them going. Poaching um, from Impact Wrestling be considered poaching? <laughs> no. Okay. At this point, uh, no. I mean, I, it's not really poaching. I mean, that's, but uh, I don't know. It, it, it's just, I just, I just have a feeling if they push, like, okay, let's say I got, I got the roster pulled up. Okay. Uh, you know, you start. Here, I'll tell you who I like and who I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> I'll pull up their roster, too. And I'll tell you some people who haven't been used yet as well. That's always a uh, a good one. So the champions right now are Jericho, uh, Riho, and SCU. 
So we got Adam Hangman Page. What do you think of him? He okay. He's one of them. Okay, he's what I call a homegrown. He's like a uh, JBL Junior. <laughs> For example, there's three guys in AEW that, and this is what little attention I paid to. So you, I think you'll be able to tell me if I'm wrong. Okay. But when I say homegrown, I'm talking you know like Baker and Jungle Boy, Adam Page. Like those yes. seem like three guys that. Those are AEW's homegrown guys. Now, as soon as you push Hager and Jericho and Rose and Moxley at the expense of those three guys, yeah, that's when you're going to have fans, I think, kind of just backlash on you about shit and kind of, wait a minute, you know, like, okay, WWE 2.0. I, I just want to see that talent come through too, not just like reincarnations and, you know, refurbs of past WWE talent. Cause at some point Jericho's not going to be able to wrestle like, you know, like you want him to. And, but you know, if you got to make sure that these guys, you know, that were brought up in it aren't just, you know, are pushed as well. just not WWE cast offs. And I'm saying AEW, that in such a nice way. You know, you were talking about the women's division. AEW has some of the best women talent in the biz. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's why I think, you know, it's, it's, they need to, to build on that momentum and that's you know that only opens up more you know fan bases and stuff you know like what it's i not think like you're trying to do? compete one-to-one with wwe but you gotta do it to so they've been pushing awesome kong recently which is a no-brainer and they have brandy rhodes in a position where she's kind of like the jimmy hart where she just mm-hmm. kind of accompanies her to the ring you know what would be a good match Awesome Kong versus Nyla Rose at a pay-per-view. That'd be pretty badass. You know, one of the more two bigger wrestler, female wrestlers, just fucking, what is it? The, the immovable object versus the irresistible force. Like, I just want to see them barrel into each other because we've seen Nyla Rose versus Riho. Okay, David versus Goliath. Now, what if Goliath faced a Goliath? <laughs> you know, that's, that's fair. Yeah, it was Hogan versus the giant at this point. And then, mm-hmm. you know, Britt Baker, she's six and three. She has arguably one of the best finishers in the business. The Mandible Claw, as she calls the Lockjaw. Her gimmick's amazing. She's an actual dentist. She calls her. All, her name's Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, every match ends with her forcefully shoving her hand in some girl's mouth. And it is so awesome. I've seen that video. It's, or, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally every fucking time she gets in the ring. What I want to see is her do a title run. I want to see her be pushed because the fans Fair. love her. Riho's cool and all, okay? <laughs> and I, I love what she can do. But I just think Britt Baker is a more believable uh, women's champion. That's all. Right. No, there, there you go. Six and three. Six and three. That's a contender. That's a fucking contender. You know, we have people who can't even speak English in AEW. Yes. We have uh, Yuka <laughs> Sakazaki. Sakazaki. Can barely speak. Riho, not that well. Uh, Emi Sakura, not that well. Uh, Hikira Shida, all of her Instagram posts are in Japanese. I mean, <laughs> I can't understand the things she says. But goddamn, can they all wrestle? 
like a motherfucker can they wrestle right oh and she, oh and you know i was talking to peter about this the other day our buddy and he's like i just don't think AEW has like the good looking women oh they have good looking women but they don't base their entire talent pool on good looking women like some other company does like Correct. these <laughs> girls you know they have realistic bodies they have realistic talent this isn't Diva Search. These are wrestlers that grew up just like us watching wrestling and wanted to take that passion a step further. Right? I mean, yes, <laughs> it's, 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 it's amazing. So like like Cody's not, not Cody, but Corey. Like Corey said, I'll talk about Cody Rhodes and shit. Like Corey said, the five rules that he, that he talked about, pretty much use your people right. Don't poach. Don't make the same mistakes that the companies that came before you have time and time again. No shit. ECW, great talent, didn't use it properly. WCW, too much talent, didn't use it properly, was way above their head in budgetary constraints. WWE, way too much talent, doesn't know how to use a single fucking thing they have. Yeah. There you go. The hottest thing in WWE right now is Bobby Lashley having an affair with Lena, which is a fucking pro, which is a fucking storyline that we have seen time and time and time and time. We don't need no, we don't need no pregnant women in wrestling. Okay, yeah. like, just <laughs> <laughs> pregnant, cheating ass women in wrestling. It's it's overdone. It's just like. And that's what they do, and that's that's what I'm that's what I'm talking about. When, you know, when and it you didn't connect to me. Line. You know, it's coaches are Jerry Lynn and Billy Gunn. It didn't connect to me there for a minute, but you know why Billy Gunn isn't in the WWE anymore? I'm like ninety percent sure that last year he got popped for drugs. <laughs> well, that's part of it. But see, we already knew he was going that way when the last time the DX had a reunion on, it was mentioned. Oh, do you remember that? No, I don't. Because they gave they gave Billy Gunn a bunch of shit because. Uh, oh man, he was doing a powerlifting competition and he was juicing up for that. And I well, think they, yeah, but that uh, <laughs> I don't know. There was I'm just saying there was um. Oh my god! All I'm saying is if I don't see Billy Gunn ta- do a tag team with Sonny Kiss. And called the Ass Masters, I'm gonna be fucking upset. <laughs> that would be hilarious. That would be hilarious. Two two people, a flamboyant homosexual teaming up with the ass man would literally be the coolest thing ever. Cause I just wanna see them like twerk together in the middle of the ring and then just do a crazy 3D, like not 3D, like a Tag team partner move. I keep saying 3D because I keep thinking of like the best tag team fucking move ever. And that's the 3D. Right? Oh. oh. I love them. <laughs> so, I mean, I'd say, I'd say that we've had a, a good return episode there to all the jerk offs there. We had some pretty good conversation. Uh, Corey, anything you want to say to wrap this up? Man, I'm just glad to be back. I'm ready to just keep on and yes. uh, start talking about some more shit. I mean, it seems like we took a little bit too much time off, but man, I feel like my head is just full of shit that I need to get out now wrestling wise. And that's the, that's the thing with these. I know a lot of people are like, man, you know, TJ's talking a lot more in Corey on this episode. Well, 
TJ knows a lot more about AEW than I do. I'm trying so hard to, you know, catch up sometimes. Um, but that's because I'm so focused maybe in the past. It's just, it's something I can't get over. Um, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, no, I mean, I'm just looking forward to everything we're going to be doing and get back on track. And then just, you know, that way people are just, you know, you'll get this audience, get this big audience something to listen to instead of reruns of the first 10, 11, 12 episodes we've done. Yeah. And uh, so I'm ready for that, dude. I'm, I'm super excited. And uh, it's glad to be back. I hope you guys are glad to have us back and uh, just be expecting some really great shit. And, uh, and feel free to let us know, you know, let us know, yes. you know, if we're missing on something, you know, I'm hoping to be going to some shows January. Um, I'm, you know, and like I said, even some tangents, like I, like I said, I just been watching some cool stuff and finding out that, you know, with the, with the toys that happened in the eighties and nineties and, and how that affected uh, so much wrestling that, you know, I thought I knew and I was like, well, damn, okay. It's, it's just, it's crazy. And I, you know, it's stuff I want to talk about and uh, I know these fans will enjoy it. Um, and it kind of makes you want to collect man. that it's first wave of WCW figures they talked about. What about them? It makes you want to collect all of them. That first wave that is like super uh, well, rare. some of them, at least the Ric Flair and Sting figure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that just it, it was just funny, and then and it's funny because some of the most cherished WWF figures I have, dude, are the ones that they said were complete dog shit. The ones that had the cracking butt. Yeah, you remember those? Like you just go. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna talk about that. <laughs> I was like, dude, I love those. I got, I got like two sets of LOD in my closet, dude. <laughs> like that. And I was like, they were the best because there really wasn't much out there at the time. But um, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I could talk for days about that shit. But uh what, what are we doing next week? And, uh, there you go. What do you want to do next week? I don't know. You wanna go back to WCW days? Uh you know what we haven't done? A Legion of Doom match. Man, there's some good ones, bro. Uh, there's so oh. much to talk about that, too. Yeah, I, I, that's, yeah. Have we done a tag match at all, or has it been more single stuff? We've done a six-way. We haven't done a tag match. Oh, ever. yeah. Well, let's do that. Okay. Well, then we will find, we'll do an LOD match next week for the first time. Fucking right. There you go. I'm already on it. He's already on it. <laughs> well, guys, thank you for listening to another episode of the Jerk the Curtain podcast. This is Le Host with Le Most. TJ Bowser signing off. And this is your Mid South Maniac, Corey Kaufman, signing off, guys. <laughs>